Hello, my name is Akeem, and welcome to my recovery podcast. Uh, this is my second podcast of the week, and just to catch up to where I should be, um, this is my fifth episode, so lucky number five, five weeks in, and I'm continuing to recover. Um, this week, um, I wanted to talk about trust. Uh, I mentioned it in the last episode, but I think trust is a big thing. Trust is one of those things that is so scary and so difficult, especially for people uh, in active addiction to face and to deal with, that they choose not to trust anyone. But without placing that faith and trust in other people, then recovery is not possible. And I'll explain why. Um, I listened to a TED Talk when I was in rehab. And just he was the gentleman was a neuroscientist and he was discussing addiction. And um, a friend of mine said to me, well, I've taken, you know, the law did or whatever, and I didn't become instantly addicted. And there's the idea that when you take a drug, like you smoke crack or whatever, that you become instantly addicted and then you're a hopeless addict. And that's not the case for anyone. Uh, people took a lot of morphine in the forties and, um, heroin itself was, uh, an immediate was, was, uh, brought out by the Bayer company as a replacement for aspirin. And some people took heroin and were fine. And some people took heroin and progressively became addicted. But addiction doesn't really work like that. Your brain chemistry doesn't change overnight. And all of a sudden, you're a hopeless dope fiend or crack addict. Uh, that's not how it works. It's a gradual thing and it sneaks up on you. And the reason why I mention this is because he was saying, uh, well, what causes some people to become addicts and what causes other people not? Um, it's a mixture of things, obviously. It's not just your brain chemistry. It's not just your um, lack of uh, moral fortitude or willpower or any of that sort of thing. Um, it's a lot of things. But one of the things that is a hallmark of addiction is a lack of connection, a lack of interpersonal feeling between people. And the deeper you're in, in, in your addiction that a person usually gets, I know this is the case for me, the less connection I have to others. And I sever those connections. I stop talking to people. I stop dealing with people who I know are healthy for me. I stop doing the things that I know are necessary for me to be a functional member of society. And I ostracize myself. That's why a lot of times you see people uh, laying under bridges or in tunnels or living hand to mouth is because all that's important is using. And I don't want to be around other people who are doing positive things because that just makes me feel worse. When I was on the streets of Baltimore, my mother um, who lives in West Baltimore and wouldn't let me stay with her, but I don't blame her. She shouldn't have. And because of me, somebody stole uh, her TV out of her living room. That's a very sad thing for me to say, but yeah, somebody stole her TV out of her living room and she had to uh, re-fortify her house, which was fortified anyway, because it is in West Baltimore. But um, I caused that. And that's something that I have to deal with and I have to make amends with my mother about. 
Um, she's happy that I'm sober, but there are things that I have to take care of and there are things that I have to uh, make amends for. And it's not just for her, it's for me. Because if I don't, the guilt of those things will make me tilt, as they say, in the rooms. Um, But that's one of those things that I find difficult to talk about, but I must talk about it. And I trust you guys to listen. Uh, judge me, don't judge me. That's okay. I, I, I have to deal with the things that I've done. And I've done a lot of things. My next episode is going to be about ghost lighting. And that's a doozy. Uh, Gaslighting, excuse me, not ghost lighting. It's Halloween season. I was just looking at this little ghost that I bought my daughter. Um, but gaslighting is one of those things that um, when you understand the concept and what you're doing, a lot of times I was doing it and I didn't even know it. Gaslighting is when you try to convince other people what they're seeing and what they're hearing and what they're understanding is not correct. It's like you're trying to drive somebody crazy. Um. And addiction is full of it, full of it, manipulating and teasing and changing and just making people feel off. And in my relationships, I gaslighted a lot. Uh, I didn't even know the term and I didn't know I was doing it, but that's something I have to deal with and I have to wear and I have to let that sit on my soul. But I can tell you this, uh, people, because I trust you. I trust you to understand. And when I walk into uh, one of the rooms and I ask for help and I ask, how do I recover? And they say, hey, you got to talk to some people. You got to talk in meetings. You got to get a sponsor. You got to work the steps. You have to do the work. I have to trust that that's correct. Because I've tried it my way. And that's that's where a lot of people fall down. Well, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to just not listen to what they got to say. Because what do they know? I mean, they know how not to get high, not to get drunk. But what do they know? They don't know me. They don't know my addiction. They don't know what's happened to me. And that's true. They don't know you. They don't know what's happened to you. But they know the feelings that are inside you. because. When I'm in a meeting and I hear somebody crying out and I hear it a lot, just anger, resentment, pain, I know those feelings. They might as well be me. I didn't think I had them in me and I stuffed them down and I numbed them, but they're there and they're there in spades and they're rough and they're rough to deal with because I got to do some self-reflection. My self-reflection doesn't work. It doesn't keep me clean because my brain is what kept me getting high for years. How am I going to take a dirty brain and wash it with a dirty brain? Just run it through myself because I'll keep telling myself stuff. I'll loop it around until uh, it makes sense. And I tell myself all sorts of crazy things all day. I don't know if I've shared this with you. But I'm a maniac. I'm insane. And when I use, it is 
off the charts. And I know people who know me out there and people who, who meet me don't think that I'm that guy. People who usually know me sober can't imagine the guy that I am when I'm getting high. I am an animal when I'm getting high. When I'm getting high, I forget about everything and everyone who's important to me. There is nothing. There is a focus. And it's scary how focused I am on getting high. But it's that sort of energy that I need to bring to recovery. It's that sort of determination that I need to bring to making sure that I don't end up back there. Because I don't like that guy. That guy sucks. That guy's awful. That guy is not the person I want to be. I don't want to be the guy out there begging for change. I don't want to be the guy out there breaking the houses and stealing stuff. I don't want to be the guy living in bandos. I don't want to be the guy stealing out of my girlfriend's purse. I don't want to be the guy taking food off my daughter's plate. I don't want to be that guy. But in order to do so, I have to trust the process. I have to trust the people out there who have recovered that they know what they're doing. And that's hard. Especially when they tell you to get a sponsor and they say, well, you got to meet with your sponsor and he'll talk to you about stuff. Or she will talk to you about stuff depending on who you are. Because I have to trust that that person isn't going to betray me. Now, when I say trusting people, I mean, you can't trust everybody. And we're all adults, so let's be clear about that. Not everybody's trustworthy. But what is the point of not trusting people? How does that help me? Let's make it a zero-sum game. I am a person struggling every day to stay sober and how does keeping my secrets help me and what is the negative about giving my secrets away okay so i'm in a room full of people and i tell them hey um i robbed a house in a city they don't know and i don't go into specifics and it's with people that they don't know or if i tell them um I once beat a drug dealer for a bundle of dope and how that makes me feel inside or how letting down my family, letting down my daughter eats me up inside. What is the downside? Where does that affect me and hurt me? Because that's a lot of times what I as an addict was avoiding getting hurt by other people. This is a group of people I don't know, or if I do know them, uh, are sympathetic to me. This is a group of people who have done the same things. So how does it hurt me? If they judge me, they don't matter. Because in the end, I feel better about getting it out. In the end, it's not a scam, as my friend Jolene would say. Um, It is about getting stuff off my chest and relieving the pressure and the guilt and the pain. Um, There's a movie called uh, 
uh, I am Bill W. And Bill W. meets uh, Dr. Bob. And these are the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Dr. Bob and is like, I, you know, if you're a minister or whatever, nothing's going to help. And Bill W. says to him, no, I'm just a drunk like you and I'd like to talk to you. And that's how AA started. Two addicts, two alcoholics talking, getting it off their chest, finding common ground. Because I don't come from where everybody comes from and my family background is different and all the rest of it. But you know what's not different? I know why you drank and got high and you know why I drank and got high. And there's nothing in that to be ashamed of. There's nothing I can't trust you with. There's nothing there but the hope that I can recover. Now, I have a sponsor and I trust him. He, I just got another sponsor. My old sponsor was down in York and it just wasn't working out for me being here in the Harrisburg area. So I got a new sponsor who lives here in the Harrisburg area. I still talk to my old sponsor, but I know things about that man that I, that you would never believe. And he knows things about me. And in disclosing those things, I found a peace. I found getting those things off my chest help settle my soul. Yeah, I'm clean. But how do I find peace with being clean? How do I move forward? Because I still got to deal with the stuff that I've done. That don't go away just because I, I stopped getting high. I still got to deal with that stuff because it's going to eat me up inside. What have I done? How do I deserve to be clean? I've done so many things. How do I deserve to live a, to sleep well at night and to live a good life? When I've done so many awful things. I've hurt so many people. I've used so many people. I've let down so many. People whose names and faces I forget. The callous deeds, the hurt, the pain, the anguish that I've caused. The sleepless nights that my mother's had. My sister searching for me throughout Baltimore, hoping that her baby brother isn't dead. The example I set for my nephew. That weighs on my soul. It weighs on my heart. <clears throat> but if I don't get that out, if I don't trust somebody with these things, and it doesn't have to be a whole room full of people, it can be one other person. There are certain things that I'm not going to share on group level. But I have somebody to share it with. Because things come up. That's the other thing. I've forgotten so many things that I've done. And then they'll pop up. I'll re be reminded of them. And what do I do with that? How do I deal with the shame and guilt and anger and the resentments that come up with that sort of thing? I have to unburden myself. And trust the process. People go through it every day. People recover every day. 
And how do they do that? They go through the process. My counselor at Colonial House uh, used to say, trust the process. It doesn't always happen when you want it to happen, but it will happen when you need it to happen. I remember uh, I was leaving my halfway house. I got a new job with a very big soda concern. And I wanted the job. And he said, well, if you take that job, you can't stay here. And I remember leaving with no money in my pocket and no ability, no idea what I was going to do. Somebody had lent me enough money for two weeks rent and at a recovery house, the one that I'm still in, just so I can get to my first paycheck. And I didn't have any food. I had enough for rent. I didn't have any food. I didn't have any real clothes. I didn't have anything. And I remember talking to my sponsor at the time, and he said, you know what? Here's the thing. Make a decision. Whatever you think is best, make a decision. And in two months from now, it won't matter which one you make. You won't even be thinking about it. And I anguished over it. I was just all over the place, and I was just struggling with it. But, you know, I remember, I say I remember a lot. I'm going to try to work on that. Um, Two months later, I was sitting in my room, and I was thinking to myself, well, I think I made the right choice. And it wasn't the end of the world of whatever choice that I made at the time. It's an amazing thing what perspective does. I got perspective. But I wouldn't have been able to do that without somebody that I trusted helping me with that decision. People in the rooms are trying to help you. They're not trying to hurt. They're not trying to dig up dirt. Like If, if you told me something in the room, what am I going to do with that information? How am I going to hurt you? Sometimes in life, we have to think what the logic is. And I know as Americans, logic isn't necessarily our strong point, but what is the logic? What does the logic tell you? If I tell this room full of people that I used to get high on the streets of Williamsport, PA, what does that matter? How does that affect me? Oh, you're going to, a room full of addicts, you're going to look down at me because I used to get high on the street? Are you going to look down, like, if you look down on me, how does that really affect me? If you don't want to be my friend, you don't want to be a part of my life, that's okay too. Because I got good with myself. But the point is, is I got it out. I trust that if I get this stuff out, that I work on myself, if I deal with the fallout from the things that I've done, that I'll be okay. And here's the thing, it works. It doesn't work as quickly as you want it to work, but it works. Deal with my shit. Amazing. It's amazing how dealing with some stuff and having some uncomfortable conversations and making sure that I don't continue upon the same path that I was, how much better life is. A lot of times in life today, I think about 
how do I win in a situation? Not dominate people, not that sort of win, but how do I win? How do I come out better in the end? What's a win look like? What is the goal? What am I trying to get to? And what is the positive outcome? That's a thing that I did not do when I was in full-blown addiction, but I do it now. What does a win look like? What is the positive that I'm trying to get? Where do I want to go? Today, a win looks like me getting another day clean. So I trust that everything that I need to do and that I'm told to do by those who have those days clean much longer than I have is going to work. And what's the worst that can happen? I can be back to using and I refuse to do that. I refuse to be back in the place that I was. I refuse to get high. It's, it seems like a simple thing, but it's not easy. Because a lot of times, if I don't do the right things, I'll get a case of the efforts. Fuck this shit. I might as well get high. Things are going bad or whatever. I might as well go back to doing what I do. The most dangerous thing for an addict to say is fuck it. Well, I don't want to talk to that person about this thing. Or that's too personal. Sometimes things are very, very personal. But talk to somebody about it. Trust that there are people out there. And you can tell who those people are that you can trust. There are people out there who will help you. Also, trust your instinct. When you know people aren't out there to help you. And you know that person when you meet them. Or it's all manipulation and show and flash. But their actions show you something different. Because the room is, the rooms are not perfect. And they're full of people out there still manipulating and still doing those character things. Using other people or using their room as a dating site. There are still those people out there. But there are plenty more people out there who want to generally just help you with your problem. The problem is addiction. And the rooms are there to help people get over and get through their addiction. I will always be an addict. Unlike the Passions Malibu guy, I will never stop being an addict. But in that, I have to maintain. I have to maintain my spiritual, physical, and mental well-being. And part of that is trusting that if I do the right things and I continue upon the path that I have, that I'll get another day clean. And that's all I ask. That's all I ask. When I was down and out and I was sick and I was just in a place where I didn't know where my next meal was coming or where I get the next dollar the next five so I can get a nickel whatever it was I trusted that I could figure that out I trusted the dope man when he said that I was dope and I got beat I took 
trusted the, the crack dealer when he said, oh, I got the best crack on the street, and it was garbage. I trusted those things. Why did I find it so hard to trust people in a room when they're trying to give me something positive and not kill me? I don't know. Because it was different. Because it was a weird way of life. Because it was, a, it was something that I didn't want to. But at my end, I had nowhere else to turn. I became willing. Willing is a big thing. What am I willing to do to get another day clean? To talk in a room? To listen to people for an hour a day? To maybe talk to my sponsor and do some step work for an hour a week? To try to be positive? To try to fill up my time with good stuff? To listen to those who have recovered and try to take what they've done and apply it to myself. In this world that we live in today, I know that trust is a hard thing to come by. We don't trust the government. We don't trust the pharmaceutical companies. We don't trust our loved ones. We don't trust our own wives and husbands. What is the ulterior motive? The COVID vaccine's poison. Uh... They lied to us about Iran-Contra. Yeah. It's hard to trust. But do I win when I keep my stuff to myself? Do I win when I end up back at the end of a crack pipe? Do I win if I end up back on the streets of Baltimore snorting dope? No. The simple answer is no. So when people tell me that these are the things I need to do to recover, that's what I do. This is part of my recovery. The you eleventh know, and twelfth step are about maintaining my spiritual my spiritual uh, uh, journey and helping others. I try. That is the goal of this podcast. And if you don't trust anybody, you can trust that I'll never judge anything that you said or done. And that I'm always out there willing to help anybody who needs help to get on this path. Because recovery is worth it. And the more you trust people and you see that they are responsible with your trust, the better you feel with opening up about things. If there's a confidence somebody gives me and they only want to discuss with me, the confidence goes no, no further. That's it. I don't share it with anybody else. If they don't want feedback, I won't give feedback. But if they do, I'll help them. My honesty about this thing and my trust that the process will My honesty with this thing and the trust that this process will work for me is unfailing. I know that it works in people's lives. I've seen it. I believe it. I feel it when I'm in the rooms. And I feel somebody unburden themselves in a room full of strangers. I've seen it when I've seen people out living good lives and not using and happy, just genuinely happy. 
Don't need any substance to get me there. Don't need to go smoke a blunt as soon as I get off work just so I can deal with having worked for eight hours. Don't need a drink because I'm frustrated about what's going on in my whole life. I can confront them. I can confront my problems. I can confront my demons and deal with them. Because when I use, my life becomes unmanageable. Or when I don't use, I can deal with any problems that come up. That is a blessing. Trust the process. Now, I'm going to take you to Jolene's corner. And I was thinking about her a lot because she doesn't trust anything. It's all scam. That's a scam. Somebody scammed me for this. Somebody scammed me for that. And there are a lot of people out there who are dangerous. But the rooms aren't. The rooms are there. As long as you're aware. And people who have been on the streets and done the things that people do and end up in the rooms know who to trust and not to trust. And can open, if their eyes are open, can see the people who are recovering and who aren't. Trust that you can recover. Not everything's a scam. Not everybody's out to get you. And just a quick note on mental health. Um, a friend of mine's daughter tried to commit suicide. And thankfully she did not. And she's receiving the medical help that she needs, the mental health help. If you are in that space, please seek out help. It's not a joke, and people love you. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. That was my recovery podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Mention it to your friends. I'm trying to grow this audience. Uh, if you have any questions or any concerns, you can email me at my podcast, my recovery pod at gmail.com. The Facebook site will be up next week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.